authority at work to bosses and supervisors. But I, I just want to get us started this morning with uh, maybe a good idea of the New Testament, the New Covenant principle of godly authority. The New Testament clearly teaches, as we study the New Testament regarding authority, it clearly teaches that leaders are to earn respect. They are to earn recognition as a leader. And here's how they earn that, by being servants, not by being lords. And we are just going to pull out one verse this morning as we move forward, and then we'll jump into a whole lot of scripture. But this one verse, I want you to understand. Here's kind of the, the basis for this New Testament concept of leadership. And it's in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. And here's what Paul has to say. He says, and further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That is talking about how leadership is not about lording over, it's about submitting through service. That is a, a very important concept. But what happens when um, my authority fails? Right. What happens when my authority fails? What, th what happens when things go wrong? What happens when the authority that God has delegated into my life, when they make selfish decisions? What happens when they make just bad decisions? Uh, you know, there are so many reasons as when we think about it and, and when we kind of internalize and we think about it, with, it to ourselves, there are so many reasons that we can come up with not to submit to that delegated authority. Uh, it's unreasonable. It's wrong. They don't have all the information. You know, they're making bad decisions because they don't have all the information. Uh, they are inconsistent. That authority is inconsistent. Maybe the authority in our minds, it has little to no integrity. They, they don't practice what they preach. You know, they don't, they don't act, they, they tell you what to do, but they do not model it themselves. Uh, maybe they're unqualified. They're a dictator, unfair, biased. Maybe they're, the authority's prejudiced. And, and so what do we do then? I mean, what's God's answer to that? Uh, and, and you know, when that begins to happen, because we're not going to quite answer that just yet, <laughs> because that is a great question, and really today's question, but as that begins to happen, all those things that Cole listed, if you're anything like me at all, and I know you probably hope that you're not, I understand that, <laughs> but as those failures of our leadership and, and the le people who have authority and who are leading us, as those failures add up, if you're anything like me, I, I begin to feel sorry for myself. Do you ever do that under bad, bad leadership? You begin to think of, oh, how did I end up under this goober? How did I end up under this? I think that, I wonder that oh, all the time. Every week. Every, every week, week. I ask that you? question. Every, every week you walk out <laughs> of those doors. How did I end up under this goob? Um, you know, and sometimes we begin to focus on our rights in the workplace, you know. Well, you can't treat me like that, you know. We begin to, th to think of, I, I, I deserve better than that. I deserve to be treated better than that. Uh, in the workplace and sometimes even in the church setting and social settings, we begin to complain, really just openly complain about our leaders. 
um, with each other, and, and we have a tendency to try to talk to people and get other people to agree with us. I mean, that happened at Stuttgart Harvest Church in the early days, and we actually ended up asking that person to leave and not come back. I mean, the, just gathering up a team of people to say, we all are disgruntled and we all think the same thing and just nip, 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 nip. Sometimes we have a reaction that says, you know what? I, okay, okay. We're thinking to ourselves at work, I'll do it. And we just kind of halfway submit to what the supervisor or the boss is asking us to do. Just enough to get by, but inside we're just really rebelling, right? Have we ever done that? Sometimes we just simply have a tendency, depending on your personality, you might just simply withdraw. And as that leader or supervisor or parent or, or teacher or boss, as they, are, as they are being unfair, then maybe you just withdraw to a very dark place inside. Um, sometimes we just get more and more bitter. Sometimes we just resist more and more. Sometimes we just simply let them talk and we completely ignore what they're saying to us. We get angry. We have a tendency to want to get even, passive-aggressive. We'll argue with them. Sometimes we'll let them talk, and we'll just simply go away and do it our way anyway. Well, I know in my experience, uh, you know, I have found, and maybe probably most people in the room and most people watching us online this morning, you would agree with this statement. I find it a lot easier to submit when things are going the way I want them to go. You know, I find that I do a much better job of submitting to that God-delegated authority when it kind of lines up with my worldview or when it lines up with the way I think things should operate, you know, because I like to be, I'm the hand-picked, you know, it's, it's me, or I'm, I'm the favorite, which I got to be honest with you, I don't know that I was ever the favorite in school. I, I, really? I don't think I was. Never the I think I was always favorite? like maybe in the middle. Somewhere. Well, you know what? I was, I can imagine, I was so quiet yeah. and passive and wanting to please, you know, and that I was often. You were the teacher's pet. I was You often, were the teacher's pet. I don't, I don't but think I was But I can see that you pet. may have asked too many questions. Uh, possibly. <laughs> so, but, but it... I never really experienced that aspect of it, but when I'm the favorite, when I'm the hand-picked, when I am the, uh, uh, everything kind of is moving in my direction, it's just a lot easier to submit to authority. Maybe the favorite son. Definitely. De no, no, we're close. Um, <laughs> we actually talked yesterday. I, we, I don't have time to go into this, but I, I talked about with Taylor and with mom, I was like, His you know, brother. that's my brother. I said, we should have power rankings. Uh, between him and I, you know, who's first, who's second. And I came up with this list of, you know, um, uh, uh, better, you know, better family person, uh, financially, uh, you know, et cetera, all these different categories assigned two or one. And I will let you know that I was 12, he was 11. So I won in the power ranking. <laughs> there was my ranking, I did everything, but still. Um, but when things are going my direction, I have a tendency to submit to that authority better. When the boss gives me a raise, yeah, that's yes. We'll take. I'll talk to the vision partner. <laughs> when the boss gives me a raise, when uh, when the pastor, you know, when when the pastor doesn't ask me really to um, uh, sacrifice too much of what I want to do, my time, my you know, I tend to do better with authority. When my spouse does something nice for me, uh, then yeah, that's a little easier, you know, in that scenario. When the government lowers my taxes, like yeah, all right. When the right person, you know, is in the White House or in the governor's mansion or in the mayor's office or on the city council, when the person that lines up the best with my worldview, 
I, I'll submit to that authority. But otherwise, eh, we're going to have a problem. I, it, that tends to be my experience. We don't mind submitting when it is our worldview. So the, the, it's, it's no problem for us. But when things are inconvenienced, when I'm inconvenienced in any way, when the authority over me is just flat a jerk, when they talk down to me, then at that point, at that moment, submission becomes tough. Submission to God's delegated authority becomes tough. So what happened? Yeah, you know, and, what's and the difference? There's really no simple answer to that. That is a complex answer that we're probably still figuring out, and we're going to be still figuring out even after today. But we do know this. The truth is there is no human authority that is ever, this side of heaven, ever going to be perfect because sin gets in the way of good leadership. What if your leader, though somehow, did have perfect authority? Even if our leader and any segment of our lives, even if that human leader did have perfect authority and they never, ever made a mistake because they were perfect, guess what would happen? We would sin in the way that we submitted to that perfect leader. Do you know why? Because we are broken by sin. Don't believe me? Don't think so? Just look all the way back at the perfection of the Garden of Eden that Moses recorded for us in the book of Genesis. It was perfect. Adam and Eve themselves were perfect. They have a perfect God. Everything was perfect, and that perfect God gave them one single rule. That was it. And they were perfect until they got that one rule, <laughs> and they blew it. Okay, if that's not enough, because we're like, yeah, yeah, that was Adam and Eve a long time ago. And, and then since then, everything has been broken. There has been no perfection since then. Well, wait a minute, just a moment. Think about this. Jesus, God himself, was here as Jesus. And guess what happened? People sinned. And guess what happens for you and for me? As we follow this perfect leader in Jesus, God himself, never having sinned, we still blow it between Jesus and us. Well, because we have a tendency, or at least I have a tendency, to think that I can solve uh, all of my problems um, if we just solve the problems of our authorities. If, if we can solve the problem of our authorities, then we can solve the world's problems, you know? And, and like you just pointed out, that's, that's not true. I mean, you can look, again, in the example of Adam and Eve, God is the ultimate authority. He's perfect. He never makes a mistake. They themselves are perfect, and yet, like you said, one rule, and they blew it. So the problem, the, the, really at the root of the problem, it's less about what's around us. It's less about what is going on uh, on the periphery of our lives, and it's really more about what's in my heart. I mean, that's really where the problem manifests itself. It manifests itself for me right here. Now, God, without a doubt, we can show in the New Covenant so many times, he, so many times, he commands us to submit. We cannot get away from that. And we, kind of for ease this morning, we, we wanted to define that submission. And the way we've defined it is this. Submission is an act of our will, my will, 
and my heart to recognize a position to be honored and place ourselves under someone else's authority. All right, that is a good That's our starting point this definition. Yeah. yeah. And that definition, believe it or not, this is so strange to me, that definition was lived out by Jesus himself. Jesus modeled that for us. You see, Jesus is God, always has been. And Jesus came to this earth sinless. He left this earth sinless. Jesus did not need to die for his sins. No, he died for the sins of the world. He was the only sacrifice because he was sinless, and he could be sinless because he was God. Wow. God's plan was fully dependent upon Jesus making that choice for himself to submit to the Father's plan. Jesus submitted to the Father. And Jesus also here on this earth, when he was here, he had to submit to the governing Jewish authorities as it was closing in towards the time for him to be crucified. He had to submit to those crooked Jewish authorities. And then Jesus had to continue to submit as he was passed from the Jewish courts to the Roman courts. Jesus once again chose to submit to the Roman authorities. And yes, those authorities were all unfair. And yes, they were brutal. And yes, it was painful even unto death for Jesus. This is so wild to me that God himself gave us the example of submission to the perfect authority of God as Jesus submitted to God the Father. And he gave us the example, God himself submitting to the broken authority of man. But this is pretty cool. The authority of man did not get the last word. Jesus did three days later as he walked out of the tomb and defeated death. Now, Jesus gives us the perfect example. He gives us the perfect hope. Listen to this, that God will ultimately work good from something that is evil. So submission is required even when authority fails. Even when authority fails. And we talked about God's requirement of submission last week. We kind of fleshed that out a little. Give a couple of We talked about how even that submission is required even to broken down leaders. But we did give a couple of side notes. Uh, one is, was really the one we talked about the most, that authority is given by God with God-given boundaries. And no authority can require us to sin. No authority can require me to go against God's truth and, and what he says is truth. And then also, and I think this is pretty cool as well, the fact that most every authority, most every authority has an authority above them. There's, I can't really think of any instance where there is any authority without an authority above them. In most cases, that's what we find. And um, respectfully taking trouble to the appropriate channels up the chain of command, it's still being submissive to that chain of command, still being submissive to that authority. So besides submit, 
what can we do when authority goes wrong? Which it does, and which it will, no question. What do we do when authority goes wrong? What can we do in that instance instead of complaining, resisting, growing bitter, and, for me, getting angry? Yeah. Now, we're going to be super, super practical from this point to all the way to the end of this teaching today. And I would just encourage you, we're going to say a lot of things, have a lot of things even on the screen for you, but it's going to happen so quickly. You're, even if you're a note taker, you're not going to have time to take notes with all the words that are going to be on the screen. I would encourage you, if you are a note taker, instead maybe take a picture of the screen here um, because uh, you won't even need a flash. It'll, it'll pick it up. That will give you those words, and you can go back later in the week, and you can look at them again. Um, and so here we go. We're going to break this down into two sections this morning. The first section we're talking about is changing the way that we think about authority in our lives, changing the way we think. So we're going to give you several points of things that we can do to help us change the way we think. Here's the first one. Instead of thinking that it's up to you or it's up to me, we need to take it to God. That's the very first thing we need to do. Now, I'm not going to give you one scripture for this. I'm actually going to give you a book out of the Old Covenant and let you look through the whole book. The entire book of Psalms, are, they are written and, and, and they express so many emotions. They express things to God that are great and they're good and, and things are joyful and those are expressed to God. But then also the writers, the different writers in Psalms, they also express some very dark feelings. Some feelings where they feel trapped and they feel suppressed, they express those to God as well. And I want you to use that as an example that just simply says, we need to take these things in our lives first and foremost to God himself. Remembering off the top that God is still in control. And, and I know that that's, that term it can become cliche. It can become a cliche. It can become a term that we use so often in the church that we... I have to apologize. I have a typo. Just add another L to Ooh, that. Oh, you need to add there. an L there, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, we'll talk about that this my week. My eyes, that's my eyes. Are <laughs> but um, we, we, we say that a lot. Well, God's in control. But we say it so often, at least I know in my experience, we kind of forget about that. We kind of forget that God's got this whole thing figured out and, and he's still in control. Uh, you know, it's easiest for me to think that God's in control when Cole is having problems. Hmm. And I can say, yeah, God's in control. I'm yeah, not he, about yeah, it. He'll take care of you. Don't worry about it. Problem, when it's me, it's a yeah, different deal. It's, yeah. it's a lot that when that perspective changes. But we can jump into Proverbs chapter 21, verse 1, and, and it's very clear. This is, this is what the writer of this proverb says. The king's heart is like a stream of water. <laughs> I mean, really, that, that is an accurate statement. That has been an accurate statement from the time it was written all the way to this moment. The king's heart, that, that authority uh, figure, it's like, it's like a stream of water. But it's directed by the Lord. God's in control. He guides it wherever he pleases. Now, do I believe that God lies? I don't. Do you believe that God lies? I, I hope not. Then believe this in the book of Romans. Now this is uh, Paul writing a letter to the people, to the Christ followers in the city of Rome. 
And again, like we talked about last week, we really talked a lot about how the leadership and the authority in Rome was so corrupt at this time. And it was very ungodly. And it was, we would call it bad leadership. And yet, Paul wrote so many things to the Christ followers in the church of Rome saying, hey, you've got to submit to this authority. But he also wrote this, Romans chapter 8, verse 28. He says, to these Christ followers and to us, and we know that God causes everything, not most things, not some things, everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Yeah, now that is so important. Think about this verse, what Cole just read. Do you know what this means? This means if God, if God is not a liar, and I believe he is not, it means God is in control. No matter what is going on in the chaos around us, God is in control. Now, let's take that a step further for our own personal lives. Don't, don't look toward anyone else right now, just for me, just for you. God will not allow anyone to act against you or to act against me that God has not, because God is in control, has not allowed and that God is not already prepared for ahead of time. I might not be prepared for it, but God is. That's his will. And you know what his will is, according to this verse, is always for my and your ultimate good. Now remember, God is still in control even when evil leaders and bad leaders do evil thing. And I want to add as well, this, this actually isn't even our, in our script, but because I want to be completely authentic this morning because authenticity is so high on our list of important things that stuck on yes. our We want to be authentic. We want to be real. Uh, we want to be uh, authentic and we want to be accepting, but we're not up here saying that we've got this thing no, figured out. Far no, from it. We're not no, saying that we no. uh, submit and respect this authority and these positions of authority the way that we're supposed to. Far from it. Yeah. Um, we, I struggle with this sometimes daily. But it doesn't change that God's truth is what it is. So yeah. we're speaking on a yeah. very level field. A very le I mean, we're yeah. not talking down from no. this stage. We're talking no. level. And... So with what Harley just said, for me, that means that we, we have to know that God can use a leader's failure, a person that he himself has delegated this authority to. God can use a leader's failure for my good and for his glory. And that's, man, that's hard to really yeah. wrap my head around. But again, if we go back to Romans 8, 28, and we know that God causes everything to work together for good. Yeah. That's an important uh, highlight in that verse. I want to highlight something too because I think we can also be very confident that the difficulty that we face with this leadership and this bad leader gone bad is not going to be too much for me if, big if here, if I choose to rely upon God, to rely upon Him. 
Now let's go to this verse again. It says that, and we know that God can cause most things. No, it's every single thing. Everything, which means there's nothing that he's not going to give me what I need if I lean upon him to get through this ultimately. You know, sometimes we, we, we make this statement, or I've, I've made this statement, well, God's not going to give you anything that you can't handle. And, and that's, that's not true. It's not true. Because by myself, in myself, I can't handle it. But if I lean on him, that changes the situation. So kind of taking it another step further in this same verse, everything that we're going through here, it means to survive bad authority, to survive people that, whether we're talking about the person in the White House and the governor's mansion in the mayor's office and the city council all the way down to the person that is enforcing the codes for your city, to survive when authority is bad or it's unjust or it's unfair, we just have to place our trust in God and not in that authority. Because again, going back to that verse, going back to Paul's words to the Christ followers in Rome, and we know that God, and this is, this is, this is tough, this is a different uh, vantage point to look at that from God causes everything. And, but, and we take that into totality, it's everything... It's, it's going to be ultimately for good. And he's going to take what was meant to hurt me, what was meant as evil toward you, and somehow, as only a creator could do, he's going to somehow turn that into something good, which means that, go ahead. That I'm, that, that, there we go. That I'm not going to see very often in the moment. Yes. I'm uh, not going to see I, it in ever, the moment. In if the ever. moment. Yeah. I'll be too emotionally involved in it, at least for me, anyone who knows me. Which means all, all of that, say this, we are going to have to lean hard into God's grace to help me endure a bad leader. Now, right above this verse that, that we have uh, honed in on here for a moment, uh, Paul says something very important about our state. Romans 8, verse 26. He says, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Um, we're going to have the help we need to lean hard in on God if we will rely upon the Holy Spirit to do that in our lives. And he's talking obviously here to believers, people who have the Holy Spirit in their lives. That's a believer, all believers. Now, we've talked about, we told you in the beginning, we're going to take two courses of action here. One is to change the way we think. That's what we just have talked about. I'm sure there's a hundred more we could do. This is what we have time for today. But now we want to take a few moments to talk about changing some of the things now that we do. Let's so move into we can jump into the next verse. I, I know, and maybe I'm the only person, but as I was growing up and I would memorize Bible verses, you know, like Romans 8, 28, that was one I would memorize, but I would stop there. You know, I, I would stop at Romans 8, 28. John 3, 16 is the same way. We've all memorized John 3, 16. But very rarely do we move on to John 3, 16, 17, 17 and 18, 18 and 19, 19 which are really, 20, really important 21. to John 3, 16. Yes. And this is another great example of that. Because Paul continues in his letter to these followers of Jesus in Rome. In Romans 8, 29, Paul goes on and he says, 
after all of that, he says, for God knew his people in advance. I really like that statement. It's like God knew how we were going to be. He, he knew how things were going to go. Again, he's in control. God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son. So what is that actual change behavior that we are moving toward? And, and it kind of piggybacks on what we talked about in our series in May committing to respond the way Jesus would respond. Yeah, so that's a big action. That probably, that's tough. Uh, that probably is the overarching <laughs> right. umbrella of all these actions. Um, so now Paul is again including in this authority figures in his mind as he is writing this um, because we're, we're going to see that very clearly as Paul writes now to a young protege, uh, a letter that he sends to Timothy. And he says to Timothy, he says, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. He said, ask God to help them. And he said, explains that, intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. And then he says, pray this way, so do the very same thing, he says, for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. And Paul is saying these things in the midst of persecution toward him by the government. This is a big deal. He, and so Paul is saying, we've got to pray for them. He goes on, he says, this is good. This pleases God, our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. And I want to say something here before we move on. I, I want to say, there, you know, if you're anything like me, I have a tendency to grumble and complain a whole, about leadership a whole lot more than I do pray. And Paul is saying, I've got that wrong. Harley, that is wrong. That is upside down. Just throw away the grumbling and complaining and pray for our authority figures. And not only does he say pray for them, you know, their leadership and give thanks for them, pray, intercede on their behalf. But then he says, Paul is saying, God wants everyone to be saved. If we have leaders who are not following Jesus, he said, pray that they will submit to the truth of Jesus because here's the truth my friends that is the only thing that will change a leader it is not going to be voted into existence it will happen when God changes their heart pray for them he says and that's an action we can do pray for them and, and we have a tendency I think at least in my experience we have a tendency when we hear something like that uh, when, when I hear that statement, my tendency, and I'm just, again, authenticity here. I'm just being completely real with you guys. My tendency when I hear a statement like that, and when I read something like what Paul wrote to Timothy, my initial thought is, yeah, okay, that's right. I need to pray for that leader who's not doing it the way I think they ought to do it. That's my tendency. I, my tendency is, yeah, I need to pray for that leader, and I need to pray for that leader, and I need to, you know, it's more about that person if they don't line up with my worldview. But then we, we, we jump back into the book of Romans, into Paul's letter to the Christ followers in Rome. And in Romans chapter 1, it's a, one of Paul's more 
Um, scathing, maybe is the word. Scathing chapters. He, he hammers. He hammers culture yeah. in Romans chapter 1. He hammers the world in Romans chapter 1. But then, after he hammers the, the state of the world and the state of the culture that they were living in at that time, then he, he changes and he, he, he goes from a different direction in Romans chapter 2. And this is, again, these are not my words. These are the words of Paul. This is what he says. Romans chapter 2, verse 1. Paul says, and I, Paul's got away with words, you know. He says, you may think you can condemn such people. Yeah, he just gave a whole lot of reasons why we could. <laughs> but you're just as bad. Oh. And, and you have no excuse. When you say they are wicked and should be punished, and you're condemning yourself for, for uh, you who judge others do these very same things. Paul's saying, hey, focus on your job. And focus on your responsibility. It's like Paul's almost saying, hey, this is a reality check for you guys. This is a reality check for the follower of Jesus. Worry about your job. Worry about your responsibility. Reality check. Quit looking over there. Quit looking out in that direction. Stop judging out there when the truth of the matter is, for me, again, total authenticity here, for me, my own heart is where the problem's at. This is where I work. This is my responsibility, and this is the job that I have at hand. I've got to focus on me as opposed to the complaining about the authority that God has delegated over the time. I just have to worry about me. And Paul, he goes on in that chapter, and he, he fleshes that out a lot more. But the question, then, how do I allow God to change me. And that is the question in the New Testament that the New Testament answers. Now let's switch over from Paul for a moment to the uh, disciple whose name was Peter, one of the closest friends of Jesus as he followed Jesus here on earth. Peter, in talking about authority and submission to it, this is what he says in 1 Peter chapter 2. He says, as God's slaves, in other words, as we are sold out to following Jesus, as God's slaves live, so he contrasts slave to God versus being free. As God's slaves live as free people, so we're, you know, other places in the New Testament, it breaks that down more. We don't have time to do that this morning. But here's what he says don't use that freedom, but don't use your freedom as a way to conceal evil. In other words, we can't pretend that we are doing the right thing by dishonoring my authority. He says, I can't pretend that I'm doing good God's work by dishonoring my authority. No matter who they are or what they've done, that's not what the New Testament teaches. He says, don't pretend you're doing the work of God by dishonoring your boss at work. No, 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 no. He says, honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Those are believers. He says also fear God, and he ends it by saying this, honor the emperor. And, Paul, and Peter was writing also in the same time frame that Paul was, and the emperors were bad guys, evil guys. And Peter, one of the kings, had just put his best friend to death. And Peter says, we still got to honor the emperor. Now, again, in this very same passage, talking about submitting to evil bosses, Peter goes on, uh, and this is in chapter 2. We're going to read it, several verses in chapter 2. This is what, these are the words of Peter. He says, 
For it is God's will that you silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing good. But when you do, this is verse 20, jumping into verse 20, but when you do what is good and suffer, if you endure it, it's kind of like, hmm, if you endure it, this brings favor with God. For you were called to this because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you, leaving you an example so that you should follow in his steps. Now, I got to be honest with you, Peter. That doesn't sound easy. Because practically, if we were to use a common 2020 term for what Peter just wrote here, it's this. Peter's saying, return good for evil. Yeah. It's tough. That is tough. I want to jump back. I want to hit pause for just a moment. Because as I ended that section, McKinley put it on the screen for us. I want to make sure I'm clear in what I was saying and that we honor the king. We're not honoring the person per se. God is commanding us to honor that position. They may not be worthy as a person of honor, but we're honoring that position of authority that God has created. That makes it. And then, called, right. and then says, from there, return. you know, returning good for, for evil. Which yeah. So tough. I just want to make that clear. McKinley, thank you for putting on, on the screen because that reminded me uh, to, to say that. Now, right before um, Paul talks about submitting to each other, when that's the verse we began with, submit one to another. Right before... He talks about that. Um, He says in uh, verse 20 of Ephesians chapter 5, he says, giving thanks always for everything. And again, this is in the context of of, uh, authority and leadership. Giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe that we can draw from that exactly what Paul said. We need to thank God in the middle of all circumstances. And why can we do that? Because let's go all the way back to that verse that we were talking about, that it is God who causes everything to work for ultimately our good. What was meant for evil, only God our Father can somehow take that and mean it for our ultimate good. And Paul is saying, we can thank God. If we believe that God is who he is, and God will do what he says he will do, we can thank him even in the middle of things going wrong that are out of our control. Have you ever been in a situation where what you're talking about, where in the moment, at the moment, when you're experiencing it and you're in the middle of it, you, you can't see that. Yeah. I mean, what you just said, and if, if someone in here right now, if you're, if you're in that, ha- experiencing yes. that, you're not going to see that. No. You're not. That, and that's okay. And I think of families that we have yeah. in our uh, family right now, our church family, who are going through... Uh, just massive illness, families who have gone through that this spring and families who are in that right, right now in that moment, fresh news of, of devastating yeah, illness. And, and we, in that moment, yes. you can't, it's like, oh, man, I don't know. But have you ever been in that situation where you were in the moment, but then on the other side of it, you could look back into yeah. it and say, okay, yeah. 
it makes sense now. That, that it would take some kind of follower of Jesus to be able uh, to do that in the moment. Mm -hmm. And I do believe that's really, as we read the New Covenant, I really believe that's where Paul was. That's where Peter was. Uh, they were able in their relationship and their maturity and their growth as in following Jesus, they were in that place. I'm not sure I have found myself in that place because when I, for me, Cole, it is a lot more. It's on the other side. Uh, weeks later, months later, sometimes years later that I'm able to say, okay, God, I, I do see and I can thank you when I can see where it went because sometimes in that moment I don't trust that it's ultimately going to work out for my best. But I can see it later. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that's good. You know, to help us as we wrap this up this morning, we have been doing what we call, we reintroduced it to us, we did it a couple of years ago, a few years ago, the 60-60 experiment. And basically what we mean by that is we were taking 60 days, and we started at the beginning of May, so we're wrapping that up uh, next week, actually. Um, we're, we st we're, we're taking 60 days where we will, during the day, each day, set some kind of silent reminder or a sticky note or something or set a silent vibration reminder on your phone, something just to remind you once an hour, uh, so it won't bother other people, but you see it, and once an hour, and, and when you see that or that alarm goes off, you are reminded, so once an hour, of your awake day from, so whatever that is for you, for me it's from about 4.30 until I go to bed as soon as I can, <laughs> and so I, I, you set that, and when it goes off, then we are to focus in that moment on an aspect of our relationship to Jesus and following him. Can, and, can I be honest? Yes. The last couple of weeks I've fallen off the wagon. It's been difficult. i got to get back on the wagon. Okay, well, no, and I, we, I, and I we can it, yeah. because, we're, and we're not trying to make this legalistic by any means. Um, this is just a tool for a few days, a few weeks that could be helpful to you. And, and I know it is for Vanessa and I, but it may not be for everyone. But so when that alarm goes off this week, or you see that sticky note on your computer or on your dashboard in your car, whatever it is for you, if you would pause in that moment, and I would ask you to read Romans chapter 8, verses 28 and 29, the two central verses that we use today. Would you just read those? So you might need to write them down on a piece of paper, write, scribble them out on your palm if you're a palm writer. I don't know, whatever's easier for you. But if you would just write them down and read that, pause once an hour and just read that. It'll take you just a few seconds to read it, to kind of recenter you on the fact that God is in control no matter what's happening with your boss or your supervisor at work. Students, no matter what's happening between you and your parents, your authority, right? Children, you and your parents. Students, you and your parents. So no matter what authority situation you may be facing, if you would just pause once an hour and read Romans chapter 8, verses 28 and 29. And then, perhaps sometime before you go to bed that night, just once would you do this. Sometime during your day, maybe not even at night, just would you write down one, two, or three ways 
that you applied those verses to your tough authority situation that you're facing. Just write down. Here's, here's, what, here's what these verses reminded me to do. Or here's, here was my response and what I thought. Or here was my response and what I did. Would you write down how God's word has helped you respond to your authority situation? And we're just asking you, would you do that seven times this week, once a day? And then once an hour or so, would you read those verses, Romans 8, verse 28 and 29? I hope you'll do this with us. This is a, this is a tough, tough series, right? We all deal with bad leaders on some level, in some way. Will you commit to learning how to respond the way Jesus responded? And it's only going to happen if we can do many of these steps that we talked about. And I hope if you didn't take notes today, I hope you'll go back and you'll listen to this again, either on SoundCloud or you'll listen to it on Facebook Live later as it's just a recorded video at that time. Now, as we close this morning, we're going to be singing two songs. But before we do, I just want you to know this. You can trust God. And we are learning to trust him more and more and more and more as we live this life. You can trust him. You can follow him. Let's close with this prayer before we sing these songs. Jesus, it is you who said your very self. You told us, why worry about that speck that's in our friend's eye when we have a giant log in our own eye? You told us, you said, how can you think of saying to your friend, oh, let me go help you get rid of that speck in your eye when I can't even see past the log that is in my own eye? And Jesus, you hollered out, oh, hypocrites, first get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with that speck. Oh, Jesus, we ask that you help us to trust you. Help us to trust that you are in control even when things seem out of control. God, help us to understand that you can use this struggle in our lives and you can use that for us to look more and more like you, Jesus. And we ask for your grace to help us endure as we we go through these things. That something that was possibly meant for evil to harm me or my friends here today, that God, you, and only you can really take what was meant for evil and you can turn it into something good ultimately. Jesus, only you can do that. Would you help us to trust you? And it is in your name, Jesus, that we pray these things. Amen.